Jesus told the story of three persons, each of whom received gifts, one in a measure of five, another in a measure of two, and the third a single gift. And these persons were sent away to use those gifts. After a period of time had lapsed, each was asked to account for the gifts that had been given to them. The one who had been given five gifts reported that he had used those gifts well, in fact, so much so that they had become multiplied. And he was rewarded for what he had done. The one to whom had been given two gifts reported that he too had used well those gifts and had multiplied them. He was praised and his gifts were multiplied. Then came the one who had the single gift. He denied using the gift for any purpose other than to preserve it. He thought it would be too big a risk to lose it, and so therefore, rather than to use it for any other purpose, he would set it aside and preserve it. He was soundly chastised for the use of his gift. While the others received rewards, he was told to surrender the one gift that he had, leaving him without any gifts at all. This is a familiar story that Jesus told, and it has been variously interpreted. But there is one thing Jesus attempted to say in this story that is at the heart of the entire Christian pilgrimage. It is a simple fact, if we don't use it, we'll lose it. We've come to know that in many areas of our lives. Physically, we've come to see that if we don't keep ourselves toned up, we'll lose our muscular tone. And after a while, we grow weaker and weaker and find it even more difficult to move around. And there are even parts of the body that have no apparent use now, but was once thought to play a major part in the well-being of the person. But over a period of time, not being used, it began to slowly atrophy and eventually disappear. It's nature's way of saying, if you don't use it, then surrender it. It's no point of its being there. Works that way with our minds. It's especially important to keep our minds with a sharp edge. Any student who has lax study habits is going to soon discover how difficult it is to concentrate when the time comes to really bone up. I visited with a delightful lady, an older lady. She lived alone. My first visit with her, I came away amazed. And I said to my family, I can't believe that someone who lives alone, out of the movement of things, is so well up on everything political and economic. She quoted from the Wall Street Journal, and I even had 
a hard time understanding what she was talking about because that's not a field where I do much walking. She talked about uh, affairs that were happening around the world. She was so on top of everything. She fell and broke a bone and had to go to the hospital. They put her in a cast. Because she was living alone, they said she would have to stay there to be cared for while the bone mended to such a time in which she could go home. And so she waited out those weeks. I visited her while she was there waiting and there was something of that spark gone while she was there. But then finally she was allowed to go home. After she returned home, I visited with her and she said, you know, I almost died in the hospital. And I said, I had no idea that it was that serious. And she said, oh, I don't mean the break. She said, my mind almost died on me. I lay there in that hospital room. I didn't have access to my magazines and my newspapers. I couldn't go to my bookshelves and read from my books. I didn't have anyone to talk with. After a while, I didn't know what day of the week that it was. I lost interest in things and suddenly found my mind wandering to things that didn't matter. And I came to realize that I was lying there dying mentally. And I said to my doctor, get me out of the hospital before I die. And on her return home, she sprang back. Her mind was being used and it was being kept alert and alive. If you don't use your mind, you'll lose the ability to think and concentrate and to make sound judgments. It's true with the gifts, our talents that we have. A concert pianist said, I practice hours daily. And if I miss a day's practice, I can tell the difference. And if I should miss a week's practice, my musician friends can tell the difference. But if I miss a month's practice, anybody can tell the difference. Our talents have to be exercised to keep them alive. And it's all the more so when it comes to our spiritual lives. So easy for our spiritual lives to atrophy because we don't exercise the gifts that we have. We don't maintain the habits that allow our lives to be spiritually keen and alive. We talk about going to church as a habit. So many times people say, well, I haven't been coming to church because I just got out of the habit. It is a habit. A habit is anything that is repeated over and over again. And because it is repeatedly done, then it's kept a part of your lifestyle. But then if you start leaving it off a little, it's easy to leave off a little more. And after a while, the desire to go to church just isn't as keen as it once was. And it's so easy just not to go. The same is true about Bible reading. The Bible ought to be read daily, a discipline that keeps us in thinking about spiritual perspectives as we face life. 
How do we make our decisions? How do we make adjustments? How do we relate to people on a spiritual plane? Because our mind is filled with a biblical discipline so that we are beginning to think in the way that God thinks. We don't have to run to the Bible and look up a solution to our problem. It's there because we are living with the aura of the revelation of God's Word when daily we live with it. But if we put it aside, when we pick it up and read it at random, it has little meaning for us. It seems so out of context. And then we put it aside saying, the Bible really doesn't have that kind of impact in my life. It doesn't. If you just pick it up once in a while. But to live with it daily keeps us alive with the mind and the spirit of God's thinking in our lives. And if we don't use it, we'll lose it. The same is true of prayer. To live with a prayerful attitude. I had the president of a large company in one of my former churches and we were talking about prayer, talking about the importance of setting aside a particular time for praying. He said, I can't do that because there is such a demand on my time and my schedule is so erratic. But he said, you know, I learned a long time ago that I can stop what I'm doing and I can take on an attitude of prayer and I can pray. He said, it was hard in the beginning, but now I find myself stopping eight or 10 times a day and just for a moment or two, close my eyes and pray. And he said, it's brought such vitality to my life. I never dreamed it could make that much difference. He said, there have been times I've been driving along the interstate and suddenly I'll just pull over to the side of the interstate and there just bow my head and just take a moment for prayer. And he said, it's a spiritual energy that keeps me going. The holy habits of spiritual living, the spiritual attitudes, they don't come automatically. They don't come just with the words. When we become a Christian, we aren't suddenly mature, able to do all of these things and to amass all of the gifts that God has promised. They take working for discipline and repetition brings it closer until after a while, every day is walking in an aura of God's presence, thinking our thoughts the way that He wants us to think them, having the inspiration of His Spirit to help us to make the right decisions. And the greatest fruit of using it is joy. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. That's what Jesus said in the story that he told. Amen. Father, you are always with us. Just that thought's length. And on that promise, we come now to share our deeper thoughts, our innermost feelings. Sweep through us here, gathered in worship before you, and rest momentarily in the hearts of each one of us to discern there the prayers that we want you to hear. 
For all of us have thoughts too deep to communicate. All of us have desires that we have not expressed. Each of us has a need that only you can satisfy. And we pray that in these moments that we can realize your presence in an uplifting way, in a life-changing way. We live in a world in which there are so many discordant notes, but yours is a true melody. We are called daily to make decisions and to make choices that are difficult, but you are the one who has made all right choices and have imparted to us the wisdom whereby we may too. When our hearts are right with you and when our thoughts are in tune with your spirit, we pray that you will move among your people wherever they are gathered together here today in all parts of the world. We thank you for those nations where freedom to worship once again is a reality and not a dream. Undergird them as, as brothers and sisters in the faith. We support them in our prayers. We pray for our missionaries working in difficult places around the world where your word has not yet been established. Give them the strength and the wisdom whereby they may do well what you have called them to do. And may we be supportive of them in ways that we can, that your gospel may be heard by all and that ultimately your will will be done in the hearts of all and your kingdom established on earth in the lives of people, even as it is in heaven. Be among us as we celebrate the sacrament that Christ established for us, a remembrance whereby we can recall that which he did on our behalf. We are unworthy, but we who are without merit have been promised by you to be found faultless and acceptable in your sight. We praise you for that. And in that innocence that you give, help us to partake of his presence here in a way that will bolster our faith and enlarge our spiritual commitment that Christ may be found present not only in the sacrament, but in the energies of our lives. We pray for those who are in special need this day and in past days. Grief has come to those in our congregation and we pray for them that they might surmount that grief and in it possess a larger faith. There are some who face medical difficulties, which is a time of fear and dread Give to them spiritual composure. Help their faith to be such that you can give them the feelings, the desires they need in order to be at peace with themselves, with those who minister to us, and with you. Remind them that you are the one who is capable of all things. And you have asked us, to ask of you that which we desire. Whatever our needs, whatever our wants, we pray that you will be sensitive to them. 
And may we know in our hearts that you care. Be with those who need our prayers, especially those who have no one else to pray for them as we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.